0: Hello and welcome to another episode of The Voice for American Law Enforcement. I'm your host, Randy Sutton, a 34-year police veteran, the author of A Cop's Life, and the founder of The Wounded Blue, the national assistance and support organization for injured and disabled law enforcement officers. Uh, If you are watching this uh, either on uh, YouTube or on uh, the America Out Loud Network. Welcome to the visual portion of this. If you are listening to this on iHeartRadio, I'm uh, happy that you're listening and tuning in and I have a very special co-host with me in the studio. Sergeant Betsy Smith is uh, is with me today in studio, uh, which makes me very happy. And uh, if uh, you've been watching the show or listening to the show, you know that Betsy is a retired police sergeant, uh, a, a law enforcement trainer of many years, and also the national spokesman for the National Police Association. Betsy good to have you in the studio.
1: Randy, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be with you in studio because we sure have a lot to talk about today. (laughs) We
0: surely do. We surely do. Just um, wanted to let everybody know that um, Betsy's uh, in studio in Las Vegas today with me because uh, as uh, she is now a member of the board of directors of the wounded blue we've been uh, in a major strategy session for uh, for the last couple of days in planning the strategy for how we can help as an organization more and more injured and disabled law enforcement officers
1: randy we have so many great things going on uh with the wounded blue and uh we have such a bright future with this organization, and I'm excited to be a part of it.
0: It's fantastic. It really is. So um, the woundedblue.org, I ask that you take a look at that, the woundedblue.org, and see how we can help if you are a law enforcement officer, reach out to us when you need us because that's what we exist for. So there's lots of stuff to talk about today um, on the Voice for American Law Enforcement. So many topics. Let's get started with something that I know is near and dear to your heart, and that is the um the the let's bring everybody up to date on an incident that occurred back in september of 2021 that was that made major news um when border patrol was uh on horseback and were purportedly whipping people from a video that was that was shown let's talk about that for a moment
1: So, Randy, you remember that um, the Border Patrol agents in Texas were trying to stop, you know, what, what was basically an invasion of our southern border. And there were especially a lot of Haitian immigrants that were trying to breach apart near the Rio Grande River. And so Border Patrol has an amazing equestrian unit. And so they were trying to push these migrants back, and what they were doing with the horses was utilizing them the same way the way we do in the city with crowd control. And the migrants were pushing back on the horses, and so the agents used their reins. And I'm a horsewoman, so these are not whips; these are reins. That's how you control the horse. And uh, and they were using those. Reins to guide the horses to push back the migrants off the horses, and you know, so they're trying to save their horses, trying to trying to push these migrants back across the border. Well, unfortunately, and this is happening live on television, right as that's uh, all happening, the president was giving a speech. He talked. He was asked about it, and so he, on live television, talks about someone is going to pay for w- strapping. These migrants. Then it went on. The vice president chimed in. So many other politicians chimed in. Uh, Kamala Harris related it to slavery. It was absolutely outrageous. They these agents were put on administrative duty, and then
0: which they're still on administrative
1: they, duty now. You know. So let's fast forward now from September to March, and they are still on administrative duty. So they're not on the field, they're not on their horses, and we want to know what's happened. Now, supposedly the investigation has completed, but the National Police Association wants to know what happened with the investigation. We want to know the fate of these agents. We want to know, is is there going to be any criminal charges? And if not, because the agents did absolutely nothing wrong, we want a public apology For these agents, starting with the commander in chief, the president of the United States. So we have filed a FOIA request asking for everything from the, all of the investigation that we are allowed to have, plus any emails, texts, phone calls, things like that relating to this, because these agents were publicly defamed right. and they were publicly embarrassed and lied about and vilified. So we need a public apology. And that's why the National Police Association decided to get involved.
0: You know, um, I, I, in following this case, I saw that the inspector general of, of DHS, they said they didn't really want to investigate it. So if that if, if they don't want to investigate it, that pretty much tells you there's there is nothing to this. But this is another example of the vilification of law enforcement officers, especially. I mean, we have seen Customs and Border Patrol being treated miserably by yeah, yeah. by the Biden administration, by the by the head of uh, of Homeland Security, and you know, in in essence, these officers are. They're the whipping boys, if you will. <laughs> Literally. It's, it's not them whipping anybody else, but they're being right. treated with with such disdain and disrespect by the very people that they're working for. And they are owed an apology.
1: They, they absolutely are. And so we're very hopeful that the Biden administration is going to do the right thing and issue an apology but we want to know the whole course of the of the investigation and all that because you know right now in the news what are we talking about we're talking about borders right ukraine russia yeah what about the southern border of the united states of america who these agents were tasked with protecting and now we don't know the fate of their careers in the course of this investigation
0: You know, while we're on the topic of of the border, you know, last year, over 100,000 people died of of fentanyl overdoses. 100,000 people. That is an immense number. And where is that fentanyl coming in from? (laughs) Yeah. Right? It's coming in through the southern border, which is as, as basically open border as it gets. And then we talk about where's the fentanyl coming from prior to it generating over over the border china yes so we have china importing poison in order to kill americans and it is virtually being ignored you don't even hear you don't see one headline on it do you remember when trump was in office opiate was the opiate crisis was on every newspaper and they were blaming him right now it's not even a it's not even on page three exactly
1: well and as you know Randy I live 80 miles from the southern border so what we see down there is is you know fentanyl has now replaced marijuana cocaine any other illegal drug coming across the border and in addition to that what we see is the wholesale abuse sexual abuse of women and children we see the human trafficking all of that. On our southern border, where those agents were working, and we are not seeing anything in the legacy media even talking about that. A hundred thousand dead Americans, isn't that something that we should be talking about? And yet, and yet we're not. And these brave agents and brave state troopers on our southern right. borders are working so hard to stop this from happening. But I don't think they're getting a lot of support from uh, from the political class, if you will.
0: You know, I was talking to a, to a Border Patrol agent uh, just a couple of weeks ago, and he was telling me that he's never seen morale um, so in the toilet yes. as he's seen it now. I mean, th- those guys are are being ignored. Um, they're not allowed to do their jobs. They are vilified for actually doing what they're getting Mm -hmm. to do absolutely and 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 i i almost think that this is this is part of the the plot make make life so miserable for these men and women that they quit yeah and that way we get defunding if you will yeah um and it's i it's to me it's reprehensible
1: well, it absolutely is. And I mean, you know, a, a, again, as we are seeing, you're seeing so many people talk about um, how uh, borders are so we um, should be protected now yeah. Well, we're talking yeah. about Ukraine and, and mm. Russia. But our own southern border is so open, so porous, and we are not treating the people who are trying to protect you know and not just our borders our ports and our airports and 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 all those places and they are being absolutely vilified and they're being given menial tasks agents who should be out you know uh on the border with with uh making arrests things like that they're ending up doing mostly administrative work processing people in and out driving the buses and yeah. dropping them off at, at bus stations, you know, they're on the airplanes that are are flying to places in the middle of the night to drop these migrants off. There's so much nefarious activity going on with the federal government and the borders. And again, we're hearing very little about it right. in the
0: legacy media. So as we're talking about the erosion of law and order, which is in, in essence, that's what we're talking about, that there has been an erosion throughout the United States we've seen it in the the funding movement we've seen it in um, laws that are being passed which are anti-public safety but they're all in the they're, they're being couched in in a way that this is a way to protect the people from the police so one of the things I the story that I want to talk about is this is out of the Associated Press Philly Police Union sues over ban on low-level traffic stops. Union leaders argued the new law illegally preempts existing state traffic laws. Let me just read a little bit of this. The Philadelphia Lodge of the Fraternal Order Police filed a lawsuit <clears throat> seeking to invalidate a city law banning officers from pulling over drivers for, quote, low-level offenses, saying the law illegally preempts existing state laws on traffic violations. The lawsuit filed in Common Pleas Court by the Fraternal Order of Police and several of the union's leaders um, also argues that the First Class City Home Rule Act prevents Philadelphia from creating a law counter to those already in place throughout the rest of the state. This is a big deal. This is a big deal. Excuse me. So this is the first time that a union, to my knowledge, has challenged this new effort by politicians in cities across the United States who have done these quote bans on low level traffic stops. So this is really interesting. I know that that Los Angeles just mm-hmm. just and then which is of course is the largest city to, to do this has instituted a similar policy San Francisco of course mm-hmm. and a number of others. but. So what do you think that the ramifications are? First of all, why do you think that these cities are putting these bans into place to begin with?
1: Well, this is the thing. The, this is part of that false narrative that somehow American law enforcement are the ones who are dangerous to our communities. It's not law enforcement. The statistics bear that out. We're not the ones who are a danger to our communities. But this comes from from that false narrative that people are getting murdered by police on traffic stops for low level violations and, and this and that. So what they're trying to do, you know, the, they tried to do this a, about a year ago in Manhattan or er, in the whole New York area. Um, what they're saying is police officers shouldn't make these low level traffic stops. Well, here's the thing. If we can't pull people over for those low-level violations you know expired license plates whatever we're doing that for two reasons first of all of course we're doing it because we need to enforce the law that's our job right we don't write the law police don't write the law law
0: enforcement (laughs) officer law Law enforcement enforcement officer okay I got that (laughs) concept right exactly (laughs)
1: so that's our job and what People know. People know this stuff. That police officers also use traffic stops to conduct investigations. The pro-criminal side of the uh, law. They know that too. So they're trying to stop us from doing our jobs. What I love about what's happening is in Philly. But it's so ironic. Is did you ever know of a union who had to sue to be able to do to more work? work. <laughs> you know it's just silly these cops want to work you know what they want to do they want to investigate crime they want to protect their community they want to do their jobs and i really commend the fop for taking on this case and i I really hope the national fop jumps on it and anybody they represent let's do this nationally
0: you know this this has a lot of ramifications literally nationally because um but i tell you what i can't understand why did it take this long for a police union to challenge what to me is clearly an illegal an illegal order you know cops across the united states when when almost every department has a policy that says you, you cannot you cannot follow an illegal order right right that's what it, you're told that you're you you do not follow an illegal order this even on the face of it an order saying don't enforce the laws <clears throat> to me. That's pretty much a no brainer for an illegal, an illegal, <laughs> exactly. order, right? But it hasn't been challenged. So it just, it surprises me that it took this long, but I know I'm going to be watching this oh, yeah. you know, very, very closely because if, if, a, if a court rules that this ban is illegal, this is going to put a crimp in the style <laughs> of all of these political quote leaders who have been doing everything possible to make policing impossible.
1: Well, and this is, I hope, going to be part of this nationwide pushback against these woke George Soros installed prosecutors right. who are coming out with not pro-citizen policies, not pro-law and order policies, but pro-criminal policies. And we, this is a good start in the fight against those uh, pro-criminal prosecutors and, and ultimately politicians, you know, we're in a fight for law and order in this country. And, 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 you know, there's always a lot of talk about police unions and how they're bad and this and that. But so I'm really happy. Thank God for police unions. Exactly. And I'm really happy that the Philly FOP is stepping up like this, because this is going to have national ramifications for sure.
0: You know, why we're on the topic of, of woke district attorneys. Um, It's been very interesting to see the recall efforts taking place. Oh,
1: yeah, Um,
0: you know, I, I this the people of America, I think, are finally saying we've had enough of this insanity.
1: Well, and actually the National Police Association did a poll a couple weeks ago with Rasmussen that said exactly that, that that the likely voters that we polled. Are tired of the woke prosecutors. They're tired of of you know juveniles who juveniles who murder yeah. um, not being tried as an adult. Um, they are tired of no cash bail. They they are tired of all these pro criminal policies. And you know what? That gives us hope because it says that America is paying attention, and that America realizes that these prosecutors in austin and chicago and new york and la and seattle and portland and we could go on and on and on who are not pro citizen people are tired of it and and that's what america needs to understand those people are voted in we've yes. got to vote them out folks
0: and that that's that's what's a little yeah. heartening about there's two major recall efforts one in san francisco um against Chesa Bowden, the district attorney mm-hmm. there another Soros funded um you know far uh, left activist. What, what, what I consider a Trojan horse prosecutor yes and the same thing in Los Angeles mm-hmm. um I, I so the the this is pretty telling that 97 percent of the district attorneys in LA have have uh jumped on the bandwagon for the recall exactly what does that tell you people yeah what does that tell you that that the district attorneys who are actually trying the cases in Los Angeles have said we got to get rid of this guy so I'm just really hopeful that Gascone is recalled mm-hmm. but this is once again if you're a citizen of Los Angeles you need to get out and vote you need to become part of of this movement to bring back justice to bring back some semblance of law and order to these out of control cities like Los Angeles. So this is about, right. this is about engagement. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to do a little tease here, little tease that I have a new book coming out that, that actually in, that is totally uh, involved with this topic. And um, uh, coming out in May, I'm just going to give you a little tease there folks. <laughs> and, I, I can't I'm very, wait. and I'm very excited about it. It's, yeah. it's you know, and and one of the one of the stories that um, that uh, I talked to, <clears throat> excuse me, a woman whose son was murdered uh, by a guy who shouldn't have been out of prison. Mm-hmm. And you'll remember that uh, Kamala Harris was part of this group that is bailing out um, all kinds of violent criminals. Right. If, if first of all there's all these no bail or low bail um laws in force now in all over america right well and then if that isn't bad enough if they actually are held on bail which means they're really bad people there are organizations out there that are bailing them out so that they can commit crimes all over again and when and uh this mother that i interviewed for for my new book um, listening to how, she, how her family has been torn apart. Uh,
1: it's a, it's um, an incredible story.
0: But she has become an activist mm-hmm. to change these laws. Yeah. And this is what this is what America has to do. America has to come together, right and come together in in search for justice and and roll back some of this insanity that is that is plaguing American cities across the United States.
1: Anti-crime policies should not be political and they should. we should not have to fight about that. We believe, we America, we believe that everyone should be able to go about their business and live the way that they want as long as you're not violating a law or impeding somebody else's rights. That's the whole American experiment. Right. And yet we have we have gone so far to the left in in these pro-criminal policies and somehow made law and order a bad phrase. It's just it's absolute insanity. And I really believe the American public is tired of it. I do think they're waking up. And, and, you know, policing should not be political. It, you know, right. when we were young cops, nobody should, knew your politics. We didn't really talk about politics. And so we're supposed to be on the side of who? The citizens, all of them. And they we're there to keep them safe and protect them from people who are violating the law. Now it's become so political, but I do believe America's waking up. And let's hope that we see in November that we get to go back to law and order.
0: Right that as you said that phrase <coughs> which is meaningful law and order this isn't some right wing type of phraseology this is this is simple common sense that we are a nation of laws mm-hmm. and and um and if you don't if you you know right now there it seems like the adults have left the building when it comes down to criminal justice or as we now say criminal injustice and and if we don't start taking the bull by the horns and and being activists ourselves in that in that arena we're going to continue to make the the lives of our citizens place them in jeopardy more and more and more well
1: and absolutely and you can't you can't constantly have you know oh we need more programs we need more social workers we need more of this right. and that here's the thing and you and i both know it because we've both seen it for decades Evil exists, and we, American law enforcement, we're here to fight evil. That's right. what we do. We're not hunting down our citizens. We're not attacking the, the the law-abiding citizens. We hunt evil, and I believe that the American public is now really starting to understand that evil exists. And what do we want to do? We want to fight it.
0: Exactly. You know, <clears throat> this, this brings up a topic that, that you and I both are passionate about, and that is police training. Um, police training is, uh, is the most, probably the most critical aspect of policing when it comes down to preparing our men and women who are out there serving on the front lines of, 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 uh, the war on crime. And, you know, even to say that word, the war on crime throws the liberals into, <laughs> a, into a, a tizzy, right? Yes. Because, well, I mean, we can't have war, you know, because you and I both are believers in the warrior mindset. Yes, And I know that it is politically incorrect to say, especially in police training circles now, that this is an important aspect. But you and I both know that this is what saves cops lives. Yes, And it doesn't mean if you have the warrior mindset that you are at war with the people that you serve. Just the opposite. It means that that the reality of policing is that you have to be able to go from being officer friendly to being able to take a life of a person that you are merely engaged in a conversation with. Mm -hmm. And I know that's a really hard concept for a lot of Americans to think about. But it is the reality of the police and what we're seeing as we're seeing violence towards law enforcement officers um, increasing every single day. You and I had an off-camera discussion. I mean, more than 20 cops have been shot in the last three weeks. It's crazy. It's insane. And we are also seeing that police officers are becoming more and more hesitant to use the proper amount of force when it's necessary, leading to more and more injuries of officers. Mm -hmm. And so that's why this is so critical to bring this conversation to the, to the, the public and to police leadership that, that it is critical that police training also talks about, you know, you and your husband, Dave Smith, who are legendary police trainers um, you do, you do a training uh, called the winning mind. Yes. Well, the winning mind also encompasses the warrior spirit.
1: Absolutely. And that's the thing when we talk about what is, what are the ethos of a warrior? What are the habits of a warrior? It's not, I've got to kill, kill, kill. It's duty, honor, courage, Loyalty, strength, selfless service. That's what American law enforcement does every single day in this country. And very often we die or have catastrophic injuries doing that selfless service to protect the public, and yet we, we, we see so many, again, politicians or weak leaders, sometimes weak police leaders, who say, oh, we can't have that warrior mindset, we can't talk about that warrior mindset, and yet you and I have each met hundreds of law enforcement officers who the first thing they tell us is, you know why I'm still alive after I got shot eight times, 10 times, 15 times, is because I had that warrior mindset, that winning attitude that I will win this confrontation. That's what we're training cops to do. And you know what? They do it in defense of not only our own lives, but the lives of the people that we go out there every day to protect. Get real let's get loud on america loud talk radio this is mccullough report are you tired of your tired vitamins consider healthy cell these are pill-free vitamins that are in convenient gel packs Uh, i like the focus and recall supplement i use this a lot you know your brain uses a lot of energy and it depends on a variety of micronutrients and vitamins boost your short-term focus and long-term brain power with healthy cells focus and recall vitamins So go to HealthyCell.com, use the code OUTLOUD, all capital letters, OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of any Healthy Cell product. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio.
2: A study by Harvard, Drexel, and Virginia Tech concluded, we don't have a single documented case of COVID transmission through surfaces. The reality is that COVID spreads mainly through the air. Shared air is the problem, not shared surfaces. The solution is the Genesis Fogger, which uses natural HOCL to disinfect both air and surfaces simultaneously. It's perfect for home or business. NIH says HOCL may well be the disinfectant of choice for coronaviruses. There's nothing more natural or more effective. Genesis fogs at the precise particle size to combat COVID and other harmful pathogens. It's what's missing from your disinfecting protocol. Visit genesisfogger.com. America Out Loud listeners receive a 15% discount with promo code OUTLOUD at genesisfogger.com slash OUTLOUD.
0: This is a topic you and i are both very very passionate about i mean and and you personally and professionally have been victimized by some of the leadership of this of of law enforcement i mean how many times as your personal training or have Mm -hmm. you witnessed training being abandoned or canceled that that encompasses this very very topic but in the name of politics (laughs) it's it's being stopped and not being offered to cops
1: and that is absolutely true. There are so many. Uh, again, I've just got to call it what it is. Weak police leaders, who who say, "Well, we we've got to talk more about implicit bias, or we got to talk more <laughs> about de escalation and all that. We can't we can't have this officer survival nonsense." Um, you know, tainting our officers' minds. And it's 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 so sad. And Dave and I, you know, travel this country and talk to so many of these officers and, you know, they want to protect their communities, but they don't want to get indicted. They don't want to be the lead video on CNN where they only show five seconds of what was a righteous police shooting. They don't want to, you know, endanger their families, which is a, a huge deal in law enforcement. They just want to do their jobs. And yeah, absolutely. We, Dave and I have been protested and we've had (laughs) events canceled and, and things like that. But there's, there is enough of American law enforcement who wants this kind of training. And you know what I want people to know, and you know, this is a lot of times those officers pay for those classes themselves. Very they go out right. and do training on their own time right. because they want to not only keep themselves safe, but again, they want to keep the public safe. They are here for the American public.
0: Exactly. You know, why we're talking about this, you know, there was an incident that happened um, about a week and a half ago that is stunning to me. This is one of the most imp- incredulous, incredible stories. And yet it is happening right now. And that is, that in Austin, Texas, which is like the San Francisco of Texas, has now indicted the district attorney there, who is another Soros funded district attorney, activist district attorney, um, has now indicted 19 Austin police officers for their actions during the George Floyd riots when they were under attack and they were having rocks thrown at them, bottles, uh, flares thrown at them. Uh, lasers shined in their eyeballs bottles of urine bottles of feces and because they defended themselves with the tools given to them by the agency in, at low lethality munitions such as baton rounds or uh beanbag rounds fired from shotguns mm-hmm. um, they have now had uh, uh, themselves placed in a position where they are going to have to fight for their very existence as law enforcement officers they are now facing felony charges put on them by this district attorney and and this throws this throws a shutter across the the brows of every single american law enforcement Mm -hmm. officer
1: Absolutely. And this was done as a campaign promise by the district attorney in Travis County, Texas. And a lot of people don't, you know, they think, oh, Texas, you know, that's all all about the police. Not in Austin, not in Travis County. So this was a campaign promise fulfilled, which I find outrageous. And what's going to come out when this case starts, uh, when these cases start going to trial is we're going to find out what really happened, because you know what really happened? These officers were told we've got about 100 people that are going to protest. Thousands showed up, right? They were given some of their uh, less lethal munitions like their beanbag rounds were expired. Management knew it and yet they sent them out there. A lot of the younger officers didn't have the crowd control training or experience to be able to deal with the horrible things that they saw the 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 attacks that they were under. And I think what what we're going to find out is a there's going to be a problem. With some of the management there in austin although i do appreciate that their chief has been supporting them that's uh, that's in the very media. true that's and very i was true. really heartened to see that but you're going to see these, these a lot of these young police officers who are going to say you know what i had no idea how to use these things i i the rounds were expired they said go ahead and use them anyway they said we were going to maybe be up against a hundred peaceful protesters and we had over a thousand violent rioters And i think a lot more is going to come out and i do believe that these officers are going to prevail but what a terrible thing to have to go through when you're just trying to protect protect your community austin pd like minneapolis pd um uh, like seattle pd these are some of the most progressive law enforcement agencies
0: in the country and i like that word progressive it almost sounds like it's positive.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: But <laughs> it's, in fact, just the opposite.
1: <laughs> right. You know, and the, the, these officers are trying so hard to work with that far left, you know, dare we say it, snowflake community. Um, <laughs> and uh, and this is the thanks they get for it. And you're seeing uh, officers are, they're leaving uh, the SRT, the special response team, you know, like they did in Portland. And so what the people in Austin are going to discover is Proactive policing is going to die.
0: Well, it's pretty it's already pretty much ended. Yes. I mean, uh, they have they literally did the defunding in Austin. Yes, um, yes, in they were the first. In fact, um, they the, the police union down there actually put up a billboard saying we're not going to be responding. And right. they, they, they have now policies in place where they will not respond to almost every call right. unless it's a crime. In progress. Right. So the service that these officers were providing yes. is no longer even available to the citizens. Now, is, is that what a citizen really wants? I mean, let's 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 face it. They put this guy in office. Yeah. And this is what we're seeing across the country. Same same thing in New York. They elect a mayor on the platform of of bringing law and order back to the city, right. which is out of control. And then they elect a district attorney who does just the opposite. So it's and there cannot be, there cannot be law and order, when you have a district attorney who refuses to prosecute. Now I wonder, this would be interesting to know. He's just indicted 19 cops for felonies. I wonder how many of the violent thugs who attacked those police officers. I wonder how many of those he's indicted. You want to guess? You want to take a guess on that one?
1: <laughs> I'm going to say a big bet, fed zero, Randy. That's what I'm going to yeah. say too.
0: But but he's but he's he's willing to get, he's willing to play with the lives of the police. Yeah. And for for political purposes, I think it's malignant. I think it's malicious. Now, there was just a headline that came out. This is uh, from the Associated Press. Texas governor suggests clemency for 19 indicted Austin cops. Uh, This is his quote. Those officers should be praised for their efforts, not prosecuted. Well, thank you, Governor Abbott. Thank you for at least saying that. But you need to go further, Governor. Mm -hmm. Here's what I'm saying. That prosecutor needs to be removed for prosecutorial misconduct. Yes. That's what needs to happen. And the governor, I believe, has the ability to do that because because of misconduct.
1: Yes, absolutely. There is the system in Texas is such that it's it's you know it's fairly convoluted, and, and a Texas resident ha, has to be the one to, to start that proceeding. But it absolutely can be done. And and again, going back to our Rasmussen poll about these woke prosecutors, that's one of the things that uh, the majority of the likely voters that we polled said they want to see state governors get involved when these prosecutors either refuse to do their jobs or they go off the rails and do something like this, like they're doing in Travis County, Texas. So I think that that needs to happen. Um, you know, Texas is a right to work state. However, they have some strong um, independent police union support. And I hope the unions get involved.
0: Absolutely. It's, it's time to start standing up. Yep. Um, and, and, and really, why, why? aren't the people of austin texas starting a recall effort like in los angeles and san francisco
1: i hope that that's what we see next you know because because austin you know if, if you've ever traveled to austin the first thing you do when you land at the airport is you go buy a t-shirt that says keep austin weird everybody wears them <laughs> it's a fun place but austin went from being weird and fun to dangerous and you know it's it's no longer that safe fun tourist city
0: oh, the murder the murder rate violent crime rate is is literally through the roof
1: yes and that's it you know don't forget this is state capital. So, uh, you know, and they they have a their system in Texas is such that they only the legislature only meets every two years. And and uh, and right now, I don't think they're in session. And uh, but but we need to the folks of Austin, Texas need to step up and say, you know what? We want to go back to living in this safe, fun city. And not have to deal with constant homicides, no community policing anymore, because when they got defended, defunded, they were the first city to get defunded. The first thing they did away with was a community policing unit, the motors unit, the mounted unit, all those great things that get cops out there and deal, you know, and, and one on one with their citizens. Right. And so, you know, and this is the thing, Randy, as we talk about all these things, people who are not safe are not free. If you don't feel safe, you don't feel free. And in America, that's a really
0: important phrase. That's a really important phrase. If you're not safe, you're not free. Yeah, it's true.
1: And it's, and yet we, we American law enforcement all took an oath to uphold the constitution of the United States and of our individual states. And we've got this wonderful constitution to use to help keep people safe and let them go live their lives. But now we're losing our freedoms because we're losing our safety.
0: Exactly. You know, um, we were talking uh, earlier about um, about police officers and and uh, the way they're being treated by their respective leadership and also by the cities that they're serving. There's a story that came out that that you and I um, talked about earlier. That is stunning, stunning. I'm going to read. I'm going to read this. This is out of the uh, police Tribune. Cop wounded in line of duty gets fired without notice. Town claims his healing is a financial burden. This is at uh, a DeWitt Township, Michigan. A Michigan police officer who was wounded in the line of duty just celebrated the good news. That he'll be getting a new hip in May that will let him return to the law enforcement career he loved. But then a week later, the township, that DeWitt Township police officer, uh, Robert Bob Stump served and protected for 14 years unceremoniously fired him. This is absolutely outrageous. DeWitt Township manager, Andrew Dumecek, told Officer Stump he had been given enough time to heal and was too expensive. So they were going to replace him with a new officer. There wouldn't be such a big financial obligation. You know this makes me sick it makes me sick to to read that makes me sick to know that this officer who sacrificed so much for that township is being thrown away by the very people whose lives he has pledged to protect and serve and you know you and i are both part of the wounded blue this organization works to create a, a safer environment for law enforcement officers um, who have been injured and disabled line of duty. This is a absolute stark example. And I think that most Americans look at this and go, wait a minute, how can this possibly happen? And yet it's happening across The United States.
1: Well, Randy, this is why the Wounded Blue exists because of cases like Officer Stump's. And unfortunately, you know, that's what you end up having to deal with as the founder of the Wounded Blue is officers like this. Listen, Officer Stump, all he did was respond to a call. He was sent to deal with a suicidal, possibly homicidal woman. He got into a pursuit of her. She was doing everything she could to, I think, commit suicide by cop. She ultimately rams his patrol car and I encourage everybody to look up this case because the damage to his patrol car, I can't even believe he was still alive. And so then he works hard to rehabilitate physically because he was very badly damaged and all he needs is one more thing, a hip replacement so that he can come back to full duty. And yet his department says, you know what? You're taking too long to heal from these catastrophic injuries. Instead of supporting you, we're just going to fire you because it's costing too much money. And I want people to know this isn't some little tiny rural area. This is near the capital of Michigan. Right and this should not happen to this young man. Fortunately for Officer Stump, he has a tenacious wife who is a school teacher who is working to support their family while he is trying to re- rehabilitate and she's getting involved and speaking up for her husband and I hope yeah. they prevail.
0: And you know I- for those of you who, who are, are following this broadcast and, and know uh, about what the Voice for American Law Enforcement is all about, I urge you to contact us at TheWoundedBlue, TheWoundedBlue.org and see how you can help, see how you can be part of the solution. And, and this, is, this is what, we need unity. We need unity Absolutely. between the American people and law enforcement to right these wrongs, to not accept this type of injustice because that's exactly what this is injustice And uh, I know that the wounded blue has reached out to this officer to, to see what we could do to help him. Um, but the, I, I, uh, it just, even though I see this almost, you know, f- very frequently, mm-hmm. it's still, it's still, um, it still yeah. hurts my heart and and it's almost difficult for me to believe. So, you know, the American public, they don't know about this, right? That's, right. that's, why this show exists mm-hmm. is to bring forth the truth about law enforcement.
1: Absolutely, because, you know, you, we've got to continue to humanize. American law enforcement. You know, this wasn't just a officer stump situation. You know, it might have been in the in the paper for a day that, oh, a police officer got hurt in a crash. Well, now, fast forward almost a year. This young man is still trying to get himself healthy so he can do what? Go back and continue to serve his community. And yet he's treated this way. By uh, by his agency, it's just extraordinary. And I hope people in Michigan take a look at this case. I, you know, call the township office and say, "What what are you doing with poor Officer Stump? Why are you doing this?" You know, we have got to pressure political leadership and police leadership and say, "You can't treat people like this. Officers are humans too. We have families. We have mortgages to pay." And we are doing our damnedest to go out and keep the public safe. And I think the public knows that, but I don't think they know about cases like this because you know what, if they did, the wounded blue wouldn't have to exist.
0: You know, it's funny you say that because someone was asking me, how, how do you know that you're, 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 um, successful? Mm -hmm. And I said, I'll know when we're successful, when we don't need to exist. That's
1: exactly it. That's exactly it. We, (laughs) the wounded blue, we want to get our, we want to do away with the whole thing because we want this to never happen again. Police officers who are injured in the line of duty, whether it's physically, emotionally, mentally, should not have to fight to be cared for by their communities and by their agencies.
0: You know, let's, let's talk about another topic involving this. Post-traumatic stress injury um, is something that is is as real as a bullet. Yeah. we know this. We've we've seen this time and time and time again. The law enforcement suicide rate being astronomically high, especially you know uh, today, you know, with what's happening sociologically, yeah. we're seeing an, an even higher level. But post-traumatic stress injury can be induced, caused by the way an officer is treated once they have been physically injured yes right this officer doesn't have to ex- you know um uh, have the the burden of post-traumatic stress injury but he's already faced the, the physical injury mm-hmm. now he's being treated like refuse yes what do you think it's doing to his psyche do you think there's any doubt at all that he is now suffering um, emotionally and psychologically from the way he's been treated.
1: Well, absolutely. You know, uh, Dr. Kevin Gilmartin and my husband, Dave Smith, both talk a lot about administrative stress. And that right. is we, you know, when a police officer is injured in the line of duty, one of the ways that we help them heal is to support them, you know, the brotherhood yes. of law enforcement. And so when they are not supported and very often they are attacked by their administration, that causes the post traumatic stress that's not a part of getting shot, it's not a, always a part of getting in a crash. You can be traumatized by being victimized by your administration, and that, Randy, is 100% yeah. preventable.
0: 100% exactly. And
1: that is what is so frustrating because. You know, we can't prevent every attack on law enforcement. We can't prevent every catastrophic vehicle crash, but we can one hundred percent prevent administrative stress and, and abuse on these officers. And it needs to happen.
0: It needs to exactly. You know, you and I were talking about the warrior mindset just a, a little bit ago. I, w- I want to <coughs> excuse me. I want to demonstrate that you know that what we're talking about from from this article. This uh, also from the. Police Tribune. Deputy shoots gunmen despite being shot five times during traffic stop. This is out of Charlotte, North Carolina. A Mecklenburg County Sheriff's Deputy who was shot five times while conducting a traffic stop on Saturday was able to return fire, hitting his attacker despite his own injuries. The incident began at 4 p.m., Uh, February 19th, when an unknown man flagged down Mecklenburg County Sheriff's Office Deputy Dejan Wimes and told him he was concerned about his unstable son. As they were speaking, the man pointed out a passing vehicle and told Deputy Wimes his son was the driver. The deputy took off after the vehicle, conducted a traffic stop. But as he was approaching, the driver opened fire, hitting him three times in the upper body, twice in his lower body. Deputy Wimes immediately returned fire, striking his attacker. Um... We, you know, when we're talking about the warrior mindset, we're talking about the will to survive, the will to continue on in the fight, despite those grievous injuries. This is what we're talking about when we talk about the warrior mindset.
1: That is the will to win. I will survive. I will win this confrontation. And that's exactly what that deputy did. And I want to point out, what what was this call? This was a mental health call, you know, and it wasn't even a call. He got flagged down by a concerned dad. So what if we had, instead of having the deputy get involved, (laughs) the deputy had to say, oh, you know what? We're gonna call out a social worker. We'd have another (laughs) dead social worker. This is the thing Is, is this deputy was trying to, and this happens so frequently where we have to get involved in these mental health calls. And so he was just trying to help a father who was distraught because he's unable to deal with his mentally ill son. The deputy gets involved, gets shot multiple times, but he doesn't give up. He continues on into the fight, saves himself, saves probably that father and whoever else was in that immediate area when the son opened fire. And boy, we sure wish him well as he heals. And I pray that his agency treats him like the hero that he is.
0: That that is for sure. You know, uh, I know that um, the Wounded Blue has reached out and um, and hopes to uh, become involved with with Mm -hmm. helping him heal uh, emotionally as well as as uh, as physically. Uh, And and this is something we've seen. I mean, literally, we're seeing police officers, deputies shot almost every single day. Yes. And you don't really hear about this in the legacy media. it's almost like it never happened.
1: Right, right. No, but when we shoot somebody that's when you hear about it. You know, <laughs> yeah. and and there's, you know, again, there's the there's the Washington Post database out there that talks about police violence and this is how many people were shot by American law enforcement in 2021 for example. And yet they do not talk about why We have to engage people with our firearms attacks on American law enforcement continue to rise, especially ambush attacks. 60,000 American law enforcement officers are going to be injured again this year. We know that we have a right and we have a duty to protect ourselves while we're trying to protect. And that's an
0: astounding number, but that's out of the FBI statistics. Yes. Last year, approximately 60,000 police officers were physically assaulted in the line of duty. Gunshots, knifings. Being hit with bricks, being punched, and when you consider how few police officers actually police this country, right. that is it's, an astounding number.
1: And it's fewer every day, Randy. That, you know, it, we have that recruiting and retention crisis that we talk about so often, and we want that to stop. And and the way for that to stop is for people to start supporting their their local uh, law enforcement.
0: So at this point in the show, um, this. Uh, We've, we concluded our, basically our news uh, stories and each, excuse me, each, uh, each week on the show, we pay our respects um, and honor those men and women of the profession who have made the ultimate sacrifice and given their lives in the line of duty. We call it end of watch. Um, So uh, Betsy and I are going to share the, um, the eulogies today. Um, We'll start off with Sergeant Matthew Horton of the Ocean County Sheriff's Office in New Jersey. Sergeant Matthew Horton died as a result of contracting COVID-19 in the line of duty. Sergeant Horton was a United States Marine Corps veteran of uh, Operation Iraqi Freedom and served with the Ocean County Sheriff's Office for over 14 years. He is survived by his wife and four children. Sergeant Matthew Horton, Ocean County Sheriff's Office, New Jersey. End of watch Tuesday, February 22, 2022.
1: And we have Deputy Constable Neil Adams, who worked for the San Guajito County Constable's office in Texas in Harris County, he was shot and killed with his own firearm as he worked an off duty detail at a mall in Houston, the subject was able to disarm the deputy uh, and fatally shot him shortly before four o'clock p.m. On that day, the man then fled to the food court, then he went outside where two Houston police officers engaged him. And he was killed. Deputy Adams served with San Guajito, uh Precinct 1 for two years and was assigned to the agencies env- as an environmental officer. He previously served with the Sheriff's Office of that <coughs> county for eight years and he is survived by his wife.
0: Uh, Deputy Constable Neil uh, Adams, his end of watch?
1: It was end of watch, February 23rd, 2022.
0: The next is Sergeant Joshua Caudell, Arkansas Department of Corrections. Sergeant Joshua Caudell was shot and killed while assisting the Pulaski County Sheriff's Office with a canine track in Momel. Deputies had responded to a home on Corvallis Road to perform a welfare check on a woman who failed to show up for work. Sheriff's Office requested assistance from the Department of Corrections to conduct a canine track when the home was found vacant. Sergeant Caudell's canine led the officers to a trailer on Overstreet Road as they approached the trailer a man hiding beneath the, the trailer opened fire on them fatally wounding Sergeant Caudell the man then fled but was captured the following day the woman was later found safe Sergeant Caudell served with the Arkansas Department of Corrections for nine years and assigned to the Tucker unit he is survived by his wife and three children Sergeant Joshua Caudell Arkansas Department of Corrections and of Watch monday february 28 2022.
1: and finally we have police officer jorge david alvarado jr from the salinas police department in california uh, officer alvarado was shot and killed during a traffic stop when a subject opened fire on him and he was fatally shot the subject was later taken into custody Officer Alvarado was also a U.S. Army veteran and had served with the Salinas Police Department for two years. He had previously served with the Colma Police Department for four years and is survived by his mother and his fiance. Police Officer Jorge David Alvarado Jr. Salina Police Department in California. End of watch February 25th, 2022.
0: So each of these men today, um, died protecting and serving their communities and um they join their brothers and sisters uh, in uh, in making the ultimate sacrifice um that unfortunately we are seeing all too often
1: absolutely and we we keep their family and their fellow officers in our prayers
0: So we're coming to the uh, conclusion of our show today. Uh, I'm Randy Sutton and my co-host, Bessie Smith. And uh, we appreciate you taking the time to enjoy this show and listen and watch it. Um, And we will be back again next week. Meanwhile, I urge you, if you want to contact me, uh, go to my Facebook page, The Voice of American Law Enforcement, uh, or contact me at Randy at TheWoundedBlue.org. If you want to assist law enforcement, if you want to participate in helping, I urge you to go to thewoundedblue.org, see how you can help. If you are an officer, reach out to help anytime. We're here for you. Betsy, thanks so much for joining me in the studio right uh, today here in Las Vegas.
1: Randy, I can't wait to do it again. Well, we're going to have to do this again soon. <laughs> thanks, everybody.
0: One, another, one,